You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, today, as I said a little bit earlier, today we are continuing our series. It's called A Better Life. And I think if we'd all be honest, there's some part of our life that we would like to see be a little bit better. Maybe, maybe you'd say, Pastor Dan, it's just life in general. Like, I just need all of life to be a little bit better. You're in the right place, because today we're going to talk about how do we do that. Today, uh, we're continuing the series. This is a series about the Ten Commandments, but it's more than just the Ten Commandments. We're looking at the principles behind the Ten Commandments. And let me remind you what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about this. The Ten Commandments are not a list of do's and don'ts, not just a list of rules. The Ten Commandments have principles. There are principles for living this life here on this earth. Behind each commandment is a principle that allows us to live a better life. Here's what this series is not about. Let me make this abundantly clear. This is not about salvation. This is not about me earning my way closer to God. We can easily get in that ditch where we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments so that we can be closer, uh, so that we can earn a better place in God's kingdom, so I can earn my way to heaven. That's not what we're talking about today. Salvation, we are talking about salvation in general, but salvation is a free gift, okay? You can't earn it. Jesus paid for it. He did all the work, and he says, if you, believe, if you will believe in me, put your faith in me, you can be saved. Let me make that abundantly clear. However, God has laid out principles that if we will apply them to our life, We can live a better life, a more fruitful life here on this earth. And that's God's desire for us is that we would take his word, apply it to our life, and walk in his will. God doesn't want to see his kids hurt or in destruction or in despair. He says, here, I've laid out a path. If you'll do what I say to do, then you will see my blessing and my favor go before you and help you. And so this is, that's exactly what we're talking about today. Um, if we do things his, his way, things are going to go a whole lot better. Let me say it this way. God says, when God says, thou shalt not... It's, it's not, he's not saying that because he's a prude that doesn't want you to have any fun. Okay, that's not him. It's the same way that I will say to Gavin probably later today, yes, we can go play in the front yard, but you will not play in the street. Why? Because I hate my son? No, because <laughs> I want him to live a longer, healthier, better, safer life. Right? I don't want to go to the emergency room later this afternoon. That's not what I have planned. Okay, I don't want to do that. So what do I tell him? You're not going to play in the street. This is what God has done for us. And what's the principle behind that? Safety. Hey, be aware of your surroundings. Is it wise to go play in the street? No, it's not. So what am I doing? I'm implementing these principles into my own son the same way God has done it for us. And these are 10 principles that you can't argue with. If you put it in your life, if you apply it to your life, um, your life will be better. And so that's what we're talking about today. Last week, though, we talked about the principle of the first. And it's a reason that's the first commandment because it, truthfully is this, is if, if God's not first in it, he's not in it at all. So you can replace it with whatever, right? First in your life, first in your marriage, first in your finances, replace it with, with whatever. If he's not first in it, he's not in it at all. Why? Because God will not be second. He is, he is second to, to no one. He is first or he is not there at all. And so based on that principle, when we learn to put God first, the second thing, the pr- second principle that we've got to apply is to worship God only. And that's what we're talking about today. Worship God only. That's the principle. Worship God, that's a good start. But only is the key. You know, yesterday I was watching uh, the OU football game. I don't know if we have any Sooner fans in the house, but 
First half was a little dicey, okay? First half was a little, a little bit dicey, all right? We got better in the second half. But anyway, I, I can't help but notice every time I watch a, a sports team or anything like that, to see uh, these people, these fans that just go absolutely crazy. I, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and so uh, it, doesn't, it never fails. Whenever it gets super cold up in Green Bay, uh, there's always a handful of people that it doesn't matter how cold it is, they are shirtless and painted up and they're out there and it's like, bro, it's snowing and it's five degrees out. What are you doing? Like what? But what, what's, what drives them to do that? Their passion for what they love. Now I had a friend, I have a friend <laughs> that uh, he, we lived in a city for where they had a, a professional sports team that was close by. And uh, for a part of the year, he basically worshiped this sports team. It would keep him from his family. It would keep him from church. It would keep him from his responsibilities with his kids. Now, here's the thing. I love sports, and, and we're going to talk about this today. A lot of things that we might worship other than God are normally good things. And so I'm not saying you can't go to a sports team or go to a sports game. It's when we get to an unhealthy level of it beginning to replace some of the things that God wants to do in our lives. When it begins to, and we'll get to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is what we're talking about today. Worship God only. Don't let anything else slip into that place of me relying on something that's not God for something that he said he would do in my life. So let's read it. In Exodus 20, verses 4, it says this. It says, this is the second commandment. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the commandment. The principle behind the commandment is worship God only, right? So, so let me give you some context here. The Israelites, they're coming out of Egypt they're going into the promised land that God has for them. However, the culture in the promised land that they are going in to take over, the culture is a culture of many gods and many images for everything. For the weather, for fertility, for their families, for everything, they had a God. And so they would have, a lot of times they would have a national God, a family God, and a personal God or plural for all of those. They would have many for each of those categories. And so here's what God knew. God knew that the culture would acknowledge Jehovah or Yahweh as, as a God, as, a, as the Israelites' national God. Yeah, we acknowledge that, but they would still push on them a family gods or, or personal gods that they would need to implement into their life. This is why this is so important, because culture does this today. They do the same thing. Many people, especially culture that is not Christian, has no issue with God. They do have an issue with Jesus. And that's where rubber really hit, it meets the road. They, culture will say, well, you can have your God, right? I mean, don't push him on me. You can have your God. You can, you, know, you, can, you can do whatever. You can worship him or whatever. Don't push it on me. But, you know, I think there's just, we're all kind of worshiping the same God. So there's many ways that we can get to heaven and be close to God. And, and also, you know, you should worship these other things too. And that's what culture does. It's distract with other little g gods. These gods aren't always carved images that we have set up in our house, though. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the principle is what? Worship God only. Do not let something or someone else steal your worship. So point number one for today is this. We need to identify idols. We have to identify idols. Do I have, and this is, this is basically what, what the commandment is saying. Don't create idols that you are going to worship. Don't create something in your life that is going to be, an, uh, that you're going to idolize outside of God, the one true God. So let's read our key verses again. Exodus 20, four through five. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in, uh, in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. And that's, the, that's really the key behind this is that, well, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, go get a bunch of gold and make a, a golden calf and put it in my living room next to my TV. Now, if you have that in your house, you need to get rid of it, okay? But I'm not gonna do that. You're probably not gonna do that. But the key is bow down and serve. Are there things in my life that may be good things, but that if I would be honest, I would say I'm serving these things in an unhealthy level. That's really the question. Many people would say, well, I don't have a golden calf in my house. I don't have a golden animal in my house that I'm worshiping, right? But they do have things that capture their heart more than God does. They have things that capture their heart more than God God does. I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says this. Uh, You can put it on the screen. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. What only God can give. Really the last one for me is what made me want to share this quote today. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. There's a couple, couple common idols that we tend to worship in America in 2022. Let me break down a few of them. The first one, uh, not necessarily at the top of the list, but one of them is my job or my career my job or my career, I elevate it to an unhealthy place where I say, this is my provider. This is what provides all my needs. When Jesus says, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, he will give you everything that you need. He will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When I, hear me, God wants you to have a great job that's in your calling, that's what he's designed you to do. God's not, God's not against you making a lot of money. He's against a lot of money having you, but he's not against you having a lot of money. Okay? He's not against you working hard and, and working your way to the top. However, when I worship and allow my job or my career to become my everything, my identity, my provider, it is what I serve for and God and church is an afterthought, I'm crossing a line. I've got to be aware of where is my priority really. Another one is this, my kids or my kids' sports teams, right? I was talking to a buddy, and uh, he pastors a church in Colorado, and he said, well, we're coming into kids' little league season, and all the little league games are on Sunday. He's like, there's no more, there's not a Sunday anymore. Like, it used to be on Saturdays or Fridays, but he's like, there's not a Sunday where we live anymore. He says, Sunday is just another day of the week. And he says, so I have all these families that just disconnect for about five or six months at a time, and then they'll come back after Christmas, basically. And he said, it's heartbreaking to see. Now, here's the thing. Is God against kids being in sports? No, he's not. (laughs) However, going back to that quote, if I let something creep in and become the thing that I am more passionate about, more serving, uh, more engaged with other than God himself, I am, I am crossing a line. 
I'm, I'm crossing a line. Another one is this, social media. Well, I got, I, I'm addicted to social media. Why? Because it just comforts me when I'm stressed, right? When I got a lot going on, I just go on there and I just scroll for days. I just watch videos for days, right? But Jesus said he would give you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will remind you of God's promises, who will bring that peace that you are seeking through a device. Another one is this, alcohol, right? Well, just give me peace. Like, I just, if I can get a little tipsy, it just kind of helps me unwind. But Ephesians 5, 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying if you have a drink, you're going to hell. Hear me. But when I have to push it and I have to have it, something, something's all right. It's the same way with, you can fill in a blank for a lot of things, sugar, coffee, right? I have to. I must. Hear me. Keep it in check. Here's another one. This is, this is very unpopular in 2022. Our pets or our animals. Hear me in this. Hear me in this. One pastor said it this way. He was, trying to, he was talking about identifying idols, and he said, if your favorite pet that you love and a complete stranger were both drowning at the same time, who would you try to save first? My animal or someone created in the image of God? Hear me. We are coming into a culture where culture comes and it elevates God's creation to the same level of something made in his image. And God made humans to be made in his image and to have dominion over the rest. Anything that would elevate, now here's the thing, we respect animals, we don't treat them harshly, it's good to have an animal that's a part of your family that that you can joke around that you're a dog mom or whatever, that's okay, right? It's not a bad thing. But when it crosses that line of I am serving worshiping, exalting this above my own kids or above my own spouse, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, okay? Here's what Romans 1 says. Romans 1, 21 through 23 says this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. I love that. Or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became, a dark, became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. We do this, but in in the actual natural, right? I begin to worship things, a celebrity, uh, somebody on social media, an animal, something that will give me what God says I can give you. The peace, the, the, the fulfillment I can give you that, the, the, the joy I can give you that is what God is saying. But he says, in Romans he talks about what? They, they became utter fools. Hear me, we easily turn to other things thinking that we're wise, but it's actually very, extremely foolish. Here's, here's how foolish it gets. In Exodus 32, Moses is meeting with God at the top of the mountain. And he just got the Ten Commandments. Everybody got the Ten Commandments. Moses goes to the top of the mountain. As he's up there, he's receiving more from God. He's getting the Ten Commandments written down in stone. And while he's up there meeting with God, the Israelites are at the bottom of the mountain, literally breaking commandment one and two. It's happening at the same time. How quickly we can go dumb. 
hear me, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but we can very quickly lean or, or grasp or search for other things and worship them at an unhealthy level, not because they're bad or, or you know, anything like that. Hear me. Most of the things that happen to go to that place in our lives are good things, but we must keep them in check as they don't replace God in my life. We don't, they don't replace God in my life. So here's what happens. The Israelites, what do they do? They're at the bottom of the mountain. They're making a golden calf. And after they make this calf, they claim that that golden calf actually was the one that saved them out of Egypt. Right? Like how foolish do we get here? (laughs) The foolishness of saying what we just made, like literally these were our earrings like an hour ago. Now it's a calf. This brought us out of Egypt. Right? How foolishness. But (laughs) don't we do the same thing? We're going through our life and God sends breakthrough and all of a sudden good things begin to happen and all of a sudden miraculous things begin to happen. And what do we do? We, give, we, we either take credit for it or we give it to someone else. Rather than saying every good and perfect thing is from above. God, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. Maybe you played a part in it, yeah. But every good and perfect thing comes from above. Did I acknowledge him in the goodness? That's what it comes down to. We do it all the time. One of the greatest repellents to idols in our lives is daily worship and gratitude to our living God. That's why Romans, says, Romans 1, it said, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They knew him as God, but they didn't worship him as God. Many believers today know God, know of God, but they don't worship him as God of their life or give him thanks. And in doing those two things, you want to keep the rest of your life in check, those two things daily will do it. Those two things every single day. It won't let me elevate some of this other silly stuff to take a place of what God says, I can do that for you. I've designed you to need that because I wanted to give it to you. Would you trust me? Would you worship me only? So daily worship of God only and daily worship God only and give him thanks for every good thing. So let's talk about this. Now, we've got to learn to identify. But the second thing we've got to talk about, though, is this. Why is it such a big deal that there's consequences of idolatry? And that's point number two. There are consequences of idolatry. It's not just, well, I kind of missed it. And I, you know, I, it's not that big of a deal. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's a very big deal. It's a huge deal. That's why, let's go back to it. Exodus 20, verse 5, it says this. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Look at this verbiage, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Okay, let's dive into this. When we choose to worship idols in our lives, we play a very dangerous game. Here's what Jesus said. A lot of people would say, well, I don't hate God. I don't hate Jesus. But Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Why? He said, you will love one and you will hate the other. So though many people would say, I don't hate God. Their actions in serving something other than God, worshiping something other than God, reveals that they hate him. They would never say it, but their actions reveal it. Hear me, that's not Pastor Dan. That's Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Why? You will hate one, love the other. And he was talking specifically about finances, about money in that case. That's another great idol that we maybe didn't touch on a ton. Money. But here's what happens. The iniquities or the sins is what we're talking about will visit the next generation and generations to come. Visit. Here's the key word, visit. It does not say they will inhabit. And that's the good news today. 
they will visit. Let's, let's break that down for just a second. Why would God allow the iniquities to visit the next generation? Because he says, I am a jealous God. He is jealous for our affection. He will sometimes do things or allow things to get our attention, He'll allow things to happen to get our attention. Will he cause destruction in your life? No. But will he allow some tension to go a little bit longer than it feels comfortable to get your attention? He's jealous. He, he is craving your affection, your attention, and your love. Why? Because that's what you were created to do. To bring him glory, to worship him, and to love him. There's good jealousy and there's bad jealousy. There's good jealousy, and this is what God is. He's the good jealous that is full of godly passion for you. He says, God says, I'm so jealous for Israel. I have to get their attention. But here's what he will not do. He will not force himself on you. He may try to allow things to get your attention, but he won't ever just kick down the door and come in and take over and say, you will love me and you will serve me. No. He says, I want you to see the destruction of sin so that you will turn to my goodness. That's what we're talking about here. He wants us to see the consequences of sin so that we will have a better life by turning to him. So why would God visit the iniquity? Let's talk about that. Visit the iniquity. That iniquity or that sin, what does it do? It frustrates the next generation so they search for God. How many stories have you heard? Well, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was an addict. My parents were abusive. And you grow up in that home and you think, I saw what it did to my brother. I saw what it did to my family. And because of that, I will not do that. I, know, I can't tell you how many people I know that their, their, their father was an alcoholic and because of what they saw, what it did to their family, they'll say, I, can't, I won't have a drink. I'm not even going to touch this stuff because I know that if I have a casual drink, it can lead to a lot more and I can see what it's done to my family and I won't do it. That's what we're talking about. Now, alcohol is just one example. Hear my heart in this. There's a million other examples, addiction, whatever, uh, abuse. But God is saying, I will visit them. The, the iniquities will visit them so they will see the consequences of the action and they will say, I am not going to do that. But here's the good news. They have that choice. You have that choice. No matter what your parents were, no matter how lost from God they were, no matter what they got themselves into spiritually, you have that choice. When the sins visit you, the iniquity visits you, you then have a choice. How will I respond? Will I go down the same path of destruction or will I choose life in a better way for me and my family? This is, Ezekiel says the same thing. Ezekiel 18 verse 14 says, if, he's talking about the exact same thing. He says, if, however... He begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers, but does not do likewise. He sees it, he considers it, he's tempted by it, but he does not do likewise. Verse 17, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. Not only do you get a chance to respond appropriately and to choose God, your kids get a chance God comes and he visits, and the iniquity, the, the iniquity visits, and he gives you and me a chance to see the destruction of sin and to turn from those ways and to follow him faithfully. This is why it's so important to remind every believer, your life is never just about you. As a Christian, your life is never just about you. Well, I'm just going to do this one thing, and it's, it's, yeah, I know it's sin, but what's the big deal? It's my life. I can do whatever I want. It's never just about you. Your decision for Christ or against him has a ripple effect for generations to come. But our God is merciful. 
And just because you brought something into your family, you might have brought a a generational curse into your family. Just because your parents brought a generational curse into your family, there is always a way of escape. In fact, when we choose to worship things other than God, it will affect our children. But God always provides the way of escape. So let's finish it here. There are consequences to idolatry, but let's look at the blessing of worshiping God only. And that's the last one. The blessings of worshiping God only. So we've got to identify, do I have anything that's stolen my worship? I've got to realize, why do I need to address those things? Well, because there's consequences, not for me, but for my kids and my kids' kids. There's consequences for my idolatry if I allow to worship other things. But there are blessings that come when we worship God only because our God is a good God. And every good and perfect thing comes from him. So let's finish Exodus 20, verse 6. We just, we've already read this, but let's look at, back at it. He says, but, he, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. When he says thousands, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about a thousand generations. If you look it up in the original language. And here's another verse. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says almost the same thing. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy, look, for a thousand generations. With who? With those who love him and keep his commandments. Man, come on. That's good news today. That's, that's incredible news because there's two blessings that are available when you worship God only. There's the blessing for you that loving God and serving God, it has the power to break generational curses. It has the power. Your mom might have been an addict, your dad might have been abusive, but I'm here to tell you that you can be free today. You can be free today. Our God is a God of covenant and he's not in the business of breaking it. And if you felt bound by a generational curse, can I tell you, today's your day. Today's the day of salvation because here's what, here's what God's word says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me tell you something. <sighs> Many times in the modern church, we, we, we put down and we look over the power of what happens spiritually when we put our faith in Jesus. Many times we think, well, yeah, you, you came up here and you, you, know, you committed your life to, to Christ, but good luck, brother. You know, you still got 12 weeks to, to get free or, or 40 days to try this and hopefully things get better. Can I tell you, God's word says he wants to impact you spiritually today. And so if you walked in addicted, I've seen it happen that you can come up and you can come to the altar and you can get prayer and you can walk out free Does it not mean that you won't feel, that the enemy won't try to put stuff back on you? No, but when you worship God only, it changes things. (sighs) If you felt bound by a generational curse, today is your day. When you put your faith in Christ, you can be free because you change bloodlines. You get to tap into a spiritual bloodline and say, guess what? I walked in here, and my parents' addictive DNA was flowing through my body, but I put my faith in Jesus, and today I'm going to walk out, and the blood of Jesus flows through my veins, and it is pure, and it is holy, and it brings healing, and it brings salvation. It flows through my body. Today, I can have that. Those iniquities, those sins of your parents or of the generation before, it may visit you, But this is why the verbiage of God's word is so important. Don't just read over. It visits, but it will not inhabit you. 
when you choose to repent and to turn from your way and say, I will not go down that path. It's what, it's what God's word said. It's what he says. Here's the other blessing, the blessing for future generations. If you want to see the future of our country be a better place, here's how you can do it. You personally worship God only and walk in obedience to his word. You want to see this world turn around? You want to see our nation turn around? How do I do it? Put some responsibility on my shoulders. I will follow Jesus better today, and I will follow him better tomorrow, and I will fix my eyes on him today, and I will do it again tomorrow. I will do it. Why? Because there's blessing. There's, there's the principle of worshiping God only brings this blessing of walking in obedience. And what does it say? My obedience today, it allows God's, God to show his mercy to what? A thousand generations after me. How good is that? The iniquities will visit for what? Three or four generations. But the blessing and his mercy for a thousand. You see, God has to get our attention with consequences. But his mercy and his blessing and his grace is always so much greater. There's always a way of escape. There's always hope for tomorrow. So empty nester, grandma, grandpa, can I tell you, it's not too late. It's not too late for your kids. It's not too late for your family. Serve God. Worship him only. Don't let anything steal your worship. And the promise of God can be true in your life. A thousand generations. If you want uh, parents that have kids in their homes right now, if you want to see your kids live for Christ, here's how you do it. Pray with them every day. Let them see you worship and read your Bible every day. Let them catch you reading your Bible. Let them see it. Do not miss church. I'll say that one again. Do not miss church. I'll give you some truth. Casual attendance to church in this generation is no attendance in the next generation. Don't miss church. Don't miss church. The blessing of worshiping God only is that his mercy, his grace, his goodness will be poured out, not just on you, man, but on the generations that follow you. So hear my heart behind all of this, okay? Talking about idols and your pets and how much you love your pets. You know, don't be mad at me, okay? Hear me in this. When we see the principle behind the second commandment and we say, I will worship God only, everything in my life comes together. I put God first, but when I worship him only, everything else stays in check. I don't have an unhealthy need for something else. Where do, where do addictions start? It happens when I need a fix for something. But God's designed us in a way that he would meet every need. Whether it's comfort, whether it's peace, whatever it might be. He says, I want to do that. So the principle for today is ensuring that we are worshiping God only. Let's reflect in our life and let's look at what we have. First, we have to identify idols in our lives. Don't let anything or anyone else steal your heart, your worship, or try to give you what only God can give. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to reveal, Lord, do I have any idols in my life? Get alone, get quiet, and ask. And if you're thinking you might have one, ask him. He'll talk to you, and he'll reveal it to you. Remember the consequences of idolatry. Why is this such a big deal? Because it brings destruction on us, not just me, on the generations after us. But don't just remember the blessings of worshiping God only. Here's my challenge for you. Live 
in the blessings of worshiping God only. Choose today, I will worship him only. Nothing will steal my affection. He is my one and only, and his mercy and his grace and love are waiting to overtake you in your life and a thousand generations after you. Can I tell you, just run, run to God, keep him first, worship him only, and you will see the goodness of the Lord. Guaranteed. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. That, Lord, when we choose to focus on you, to put our faith in you, to worship you, and to serve you only, Lord, your word says that there is blessing that comes with it. Your mercy is poured out on our life. Your grace is available and abundant. Your favor is ours. And so, Lord, I just pray that if we have anything that has stolen our affection, that's stolen our heart, that's replaced you in our worship, Lord, would you show it to us today? Holy Spirit, as our helper, would you help us deal with it? Help us take physical and natural and supernatural steps to deal with it today so we can walk in complete obedience to your word. And, Lord, right now, I just pray, not just for our generation, I pray for the generations after us. Lord, I pray that your goodness and your mercy would be poured out on them because today at Abide Church, we say we worship God only. And your word promises a thousand generations behind us will see your mercy and today we declare it we receive it and we declare over our kids and their kids and their kids that your mercy will continue to be poured out on them and that they will know your goodness and your blessing in Jesus name amen thank you for listening to the abide church podcast if you'd like to partner with us financially Or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.